everybody. Welcome to this edition of Coffee Time with Byron. This is episode number 42. And alongside me, via Zoom, former major leaguer and one year in the Japanese league, right? Or a Korean league? I can't remember. Yeah, two, uh, well, two seasons, two, uh, two years in Japan. Correct. Garrett Jones, thank you for joining. And it's a pleasure to have you. And as we were talking about, was I, I hate to get this started, but you know how it is. We texted because uh, my kids sent Blippi to you by mistake. So you know how it is with kids. <laughs> you got to love Blippi, right? We know him by heart, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I sing the songs daily. Um when I'm by myself in the car and right now it's Bob the train with our baby girl. So it, uh, have them all memorized and they're on repeat for sure. So until the next one, who knows what the next one will be, but, uh, you know, but yeah, those, those tunes stay with you throughout the day. Hey, that's the truth. Yeah. I know we, me and the wife hear them all the time and they're in our heads. And now, now, like I said, this new guy is taking over for him. He still does it. The original guy. But okay. He has this new guy now to help him out. So, oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's 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 awesome. And like I said, now maybe your kid will get into Paw Patrol as well. But that's what our kids are into. So that's the hot one. Out. Yeah, my son was definitely into Paw Patrol. He's nine now, but so he's kind of grown out of Paw Patrol. But he was that was that was the hot thing for a while there. So yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what my daughter, see what she goes on to next. So. <laughs> but that's on to the kids now. That's on, that was the kids, so let's get right to it. Um, yes, sir. You are, I believe, I saw you're 40 now. Do you think you have, with in today's game, you think you could possibly get back into the game and play? Or do you not have aspirations to play no more? You're happily retired. Um, I think uh, I think play just playing the pure game, uh, playing baseball. Yeah, I, I miss playing the game um, daily and uh, just competing. And athletic wise, I feel like I could compete. Now you throw in the grind of a long major league season. Um, you know, as far as dealing with aches and pains, playing every single day, um, recovering, uh, and then just being away from family. I mean, you throw all those factors in. I don't. I don't think mentally I'd be able to do it. It'd be a lot harder mentally right now than it was, you know, say ten years ago um, or whatever. But I think physically, definitely, I could still play. I feel great. Feel healthy. Um, you know, it's seems like everybody every team now though has 100 mile an hour pitchers and oh, yeah. um all, you know all these things all these unbelievable arms whether it's left-handed or right-handed i mean there's a lot of power arms out there um but i loved hitting the fastball so you know i would just gear up for that fastball and uh and be challenged and now it seems like strikeouts i mean you know i think when i was coming up back in the minor league strikeouts were considered if you if you if you got close to 100 strikeouts you were striking out way too much yeah now you know and nowadays it's kind of like yeah striking out is going to happen because you know pitchers are nasty but as long as you're still putting up some decent power numbers and 
and that sort of thing are okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I miss the game all the time. Like I said, I actually just uh, joined a slow pitch softball uh, team that I'll be playing with in the fall. And then there's a, there's a team I still want to get touch bases with called the Nashville Dollies down here that they, mm -hmm. it's basically a rec league and they play, you know, once a week and just, just get out there, have some camaraderie and still be able to play the game, swing a bat and hit a baseball is all, uh, all I want to do. So, um, as long as I could do that a little bit here and there, uh, you know, it kind of, kind of, um, uh, you know, suppresses that taste a little bit and, and, you know, just, uh, gives me a little peace. Now that you mentioned, cause you've mentioned, the whole strikeout thing you debuted before that whole strikeout walk before that entered the game are you if your son decides to get since your son is that age into playing little league and all that are you trying to coach your son into today's game of the strikeout walk or when you played before you got called up to where it's hitting, move the runner over. What do you want to teach your son today's game or the game you came up in? Um, probably, probably. I think at a young age, it's important to teach him the game. Uh, be a hitter first before you know. You think long ball. You see these guys on TV hitting all these home runs, and and you get excited and you try to mimic them. But I think as a as a young player, it's important to teach them just the basic hitting skill, hitting skills, staying inside the ball, being able to drive the ball to all fields, and like you said, situational hitting, getting the runner over, getting a sack fly. I mean, that's um, you know. It, it, it's i think teams still value that it's just kind of a lost art i don't think people talk about as much but it's still a, an extremely valuable asset to have on a team and it's going to help you win ball games so i think at a young age you kind of distill that and then develop as they get stronger and their body grows and all that that sort of thing that you know the home runs will be there and just as long as you're hitting backspin hard line drives up the middle and in the gaps you know those home runs will eventually come and um, you know, when you get big and strong and like an Aaron Judge or a Stanton, you know, the, you know, pop-ups you can't carry out. So, um, but yeah, I think at a young age, it's, it's important. Be, yeah, be a good hitter first and then worry about hitting homers. Any advice you have for your son playing around this day and age of baseball? Yeah, it's, it seems, you know, younger and younger, they're putting a lot of pressure on these kids as far as travel, baseball, and um, I mean, even at my son's age, he's nine, and there's travel teams. I mean, they're playing all year round. They're playing a ton of games, practicing, and it just, you know, I just, I feel like that's a recipe for disaster at some point at this age, putting all that pressure on them to win mm -hmm. and, and, and focusing on one sport at such a young age. Just, it, it, I feel like that would cause a burnout, you know, and I, uh, for me as a kid, I played soccer for basketball I played all the sports all year round and I played baseball in the summer and then switched to another sport so right. I was able to kind of get away from it and then when baseball was coming I was hungry and excited for it um, right. and I never felt like I got burnt out of baseball even at the pro level I mean playing every day it was something I enjoyed and um, but at a young age I don't think I was exposed to it so much day in day out so that that helped that not happen um, so yeah I, I, for my son i'm just like you know i'm taking it slow with him have fun just teaching him some fundamentals get his fundamentals down um, but not putting too much pressure on him just you know if he want, wants to go play we'll go play and and 
when we have a loss or have a bad game, you know, it's not, it's what did we do that day? What, what did we do wrong today? Where can we learn from today? You know, and that's how we would end all our games. We had a great, we actually had a great coaching staff as spring team, Matt Merton. Um, I don't know if you remember Matt Merton, he played with the Cubs. Yep. I tried uh, to get him. He stands in Japan. Yeah. What's that? I tried getting him. I'm trying to get him now to come on the show. It's kind of tough, but because I know he's a busy. Yeah, man, yeah, so. he's busy. He's a busy yeah. guy. I know he's he's got his hands full with his yeah. kids, um, and he's doing a lot. He's a great coach, great instructor, great guy, great Christian guy, and so he was. At, he ended up being Jackson's head coach. You know, just kind of fell in the place. And then I was helping out, and then there was some some guys from Vanderbilt helping out, and then. Now we're getting Chase Headley lives in the area, so we're getting our kids together. So we're all on the same page with like, hey, like it's not about winning at this age. Yeah, I mean, winning a game is fun, but it's important they learn the the fundamentals of the game and and just what happens during a loss, mistakes, learning from your mistakes, and just continuing to develop and improve, and not having that pressure at a young age of winning because that pressure as you get older if you continue to play you know you get that right. high school and then college and then that winning pressure starts being on you but at, at this age i just feel like that backfires at a young age so yeah we're uh, that's not our foc- focal point at this point yeah that's another one too i'm, I'm trying to get on because chase headley was also one of my favorite players because he played on the padres for a long time and then and just oh, yeah. to know that he's in the same area as you and you guys got kids playing little league I mean, that's awesome. What what is what is yeah. what is Chase like as a as a person? I know you didn't get to play with him as a teammate, but uh, how how is he with the uh, playing with the kids? You guys playing tossing with the kids? What is he like as a person? Well, I actually did get to play with him in 2015. He was with the Yankees. Um, he signed with the Yankees to be a third baseman. So, I, yeah, 2015, when I went over to the Yankees that offseason, I played with him that whole year. So, um, got to know him a little bit. And um, he's, uh, he's a great guy. I mean, he's a great family man, great guy. And just, we're all, you know, we all have similar similar, similar views on, on the game and what it takes to just to have, a you know, the mentality of winning, but also the mentality of just being a good person and a good teammate and and uh, um, you know, understanding the game, dealing with the failures. So I think that that's a great, it's a great group with Matt Burton, Chase Headley, and then Ben Zobris is also in the area as well. So you know, to get together with all these guys with so much baseball knowledge, I love just talking and and hearing their feedback and things that they've dealt with, and and you know, comparing myself to them and certain things we've dealt with and pressures, and so it's it's a great just baseball knowledge, you know, of uh, you know that we can just bounce bounce questions and ideas off each other, and we're all we all get it. So it, it's fun. So you originally got drafted by the Braves, but then make the major league roster with them. You went through their minor league system. So then you got released by them, got signed by the Twins, went through their system, and then eventually got called up by the Twins. Uh, Take us through your major league debut. Did you have goosebumps? Uh, and who eventually told you you got called up? Yeah, it was uh, pretty special and just emotional moment all the way around, all the way up until I showed up to the park. But uh, yeah, I was in AAA and with the Rochester Red Wings for my uh, third. That was my third season. 
um, and I had the same coach, Stan and Stu Clyburn, twins. Um, they, I was with them in Double A, so then they came up to Triple A with me. So I was with them four or was it four years in a row? Mm-hmm. And uh, Stan knows how hard you know I worked and how you know he helped me a ton. So we were always talking, and he was helping me, and so he he, he knows. And he called me in the office, and you know told me I was called up, and that was you know it was an emotional time, and you know hugging him, and and then calling my parents was emotional, and then. Uh, you know, just being on cloud nine all the way till I showed up to, in Cleveland, flew to Cleveland, and and the first night was DH and against Paul Bird. So, you know, again, butterflies and goosebumps and everything else you could name was was flowing that night. And uh, I just remember walking out of the dugout, um, you know, with all the fans there, and just you know, I'm just in awe. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even focus on playing. I was so just um, emotionally just in awe like oh my gosh i'm like here this is like my goal you know it was the goal to get there and that goal was achieved of like now i could say i made it you know and i think once i got past those butterflies and and some of the just excitement of hey like this is this is like still a game and it's still my career choice and i want to keep playing and you haven't made it yet like you know wanting to keep going so once i was able to calm down focus and kind of once i got those nerves out um, was able to put up some, you know, put up some decent numbers and have a career. But yeah, that first day was just, just emotions off the charts. <laughs> now, as you said, you went up against Paul Bird of the Indians. Take us through that at bat and getting your first major league hit against Paul Bird, and you still have the ball to this day that was given to you. Yep, definitely still have the ball. It's in a, a ball case. We're actually in transition now, so it's in storage because uh, we're moving. Um, but um, yeah, still have the ball. First hit, and you know, Paul Bird was a was a veteran, crafty pitcher, and he could work the ball in and out. And I remember studying the scouting reports because they had way more reports on every on the pitchers and in the big leagues than they did in AAA. So I'm reading everything and and you know trying to just not make a mistake and and over and just basically overachieve trying to be an overachiever mm-hmm. and, and do everything i can instead of just you know seeing the ball hitting it keeping it simple but uh i ended up getting a uh what i do my first at bat i popped up um and then i think my second at bat i got the hit ground ball just through the infield squeak through so it's nice to get the first one out of the way and then i think i ended up uh grounded out or flying out again or and then I walked so I was like one for three the first game um but yeah I mean like I said the bat felt so light and just you know it was hard to focus on the ball because of all all the emotions and just you know focus on what I'm supposed to be doing because you know I just kept telling myself you're in the big leagues you're in the big leagues and so (laughs) that wasn't a good idea to do so um but yeah it was it was a special moment do you remember what he threw when you got that hit what pitch? I think it was like his little slider cutter trying to jam me, and I just muscled it through, just squeaked through. That was before they, they, you know, they got the scouting report to shift, so I, I snuck it through the first baseman, second baseman. And uh, if they would have had the shift, it would have been an out, but, you know, they I guess they didn't have the scouting reports yet. <laughs> right, that's true, yeah. they Because they when you first got called up, yeah, they didn't really emphasize on the shift. That was mainly started by Joe Madden. I mean, granted, he is a good manager, but I wish he wouldn't have implemented that into the game because now everybody uses it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of used to an extreme degree. And, I mean, you got you have a short right fielder. I, I saw actually a few days ago, was it, uh, he just got traded to the Yankees, big lefty hitter um, from Texas. He had a Joey missile. Gallo? 
um, to like second baseman was in short right, and he just caught it, you know, standing right there. It would have been a lot missile yeah. line drive hit, but I mean, it takes 20, 30 points away in your average, and it's it was very frustrating at times. And yeah, it it, it really is. Uh, I know for like for a hitters, if I was a hitter, I know I would hate it because it's not that's not how baseball is. It's to hit the ball where the where the player isn't, and when you have the shift, I know a lot of people say, "Oh, just beat the shift." If you're a pull hitter, that's kind of tough because how are you going to beat the shift if you're a mm-hmm. pull hitter? Right. What do you right. say? I mean, it's what yeah. do you say to people who say that? I mean, it's tough. Yeah, it's hard to manipulate your swing to how the defenders are playing. I mean, some slap hitters can do When you're a power hitter, you're just trying to get a good pitch and drive it and put a good hard swing on it and square it up. So, I mean, you know, like I said, a lot, the line drives going to right center, you know, I, for me, I would try to hit the ball gap to gap. And if it went somewhere else, it'd be, you know, just, just it just would, you know. But I, my focus was up the middle, gap to gap. And um, so I hit a lot of line drives at red center gap and that second baseman just would be super deep. But I did get a lot of squibber hits, you know, sometimes I'd sneak a, like a, a slow ground ball where the second baseman had to run in and I'd beat it out. Mm. Um, so I did get some cheap hits that probably shouldn't have been hits um, if they were playing straight up. But, you know, nonetheless, I'd rather have that hard line drive as a hit and all that good stuff. <laughs> now, take us through the mindset of a hitter up at the plate, up at the plate. And in your case, what you you did well as well. Uh, what do you what are you mainly looking for through the pitcher? Do you notice what comes out of their hand? Does the pitcher hide the ball well? Do they not hide it well? What is your mindset as a hitter coming up to the plate? Um, all those things factor in. I think you know the more you face a pitcher. Um, the more you pick up their release point, the more you see how the ball comes out of their hand, all that stuff. And, you know, it's either some days they're on locating, their stuff might be a little sharper, or some days they're not as sharp and missing over the middle of the plate. But I think philosophy-wise, like you're facing a new pitcher, you know, for me, it was just be on time to his best fastball. And, you know, most pitchers tend, like you know, power hitters, they tend to get ahead or away, down and away. So, you know... Knowing that, you kind of, I would keep it simple. Just be on time to the fastball and and look for something over the heart of the plate that I can drive and not his pitch. So, you know, if I did that and, and not thought too much else, um, I'd be okay. But then as the game goes on, sometimes it's like, okay, this team's just pounded me and they won't throw anything away. They are just either off the plate in or, you know, everything's just in, in, in or down and dirt. So then you can make a little adjustments there sometimes that I would choke up you know, or, or just open my hip up a little bit just to see the ball a little better. So sometimes there's some minute changes you make during a game just on how teams are pitching you and how they're attacking you. And, um, but you start with that philosophy, you know, get a pitch over the plate, line drives up the middle, and, um, you know, and, and just uh, that's it, be on time, be on time for it. So you only play 30-plus games with the Twins, so then they, you got released and then you signed a deal – with the Pirates. So then you, after signing a deal with the Pirates, you get called up right after the Eric Hinsky trade. Tell us about that. And 
did you know right away that you were going to be established with the Pittsburgh Pirates for a while? Because you, you spent your most time there with the Pirates. Right. Well, no, I mean, you never know. I think I was just um, uh, going into that season. I, I, I had a lot of confidence. I was relaxed, um, you know, got a chance. I know Hinsky and I think Adam got hurt in spring training. So I got a lot of that bats that spring, had a great spring training with the Pirates. Um, so opened some eyes and so went down to Indianapolis and just played, had fun, stayed relaxed, didn't really put pressure on myself. And, um, you know, I knew if I could just hit the team, you know, they weren't winning a lot of ball games. And they told me, you just continue to play like you were and like you showed in spring, you're going to be up here soon. So I was like, okay, you know, that's what I got to do. So that's, that's what I did and tried to do and eventually they ended up trading Hinsky and, and called me up and you know I was just I, w- I went up with a different mindset this time you know um, I, I knew I could play um, I wasn't in awe of being in the big leagues at that point I was like okay you know now it's time to just play the game and, and show me you can do and have fun because you know last the first time I got called up with the twins I think I was only up for about a week or five days mm-hmm. I got sent down yeah. came back up for two weeks struggled and I think I got sent down and then got a September call up and then you know the next year I was in AAA all year so yeah you just never know how things are going to pan out but you know they said you're going to get some at bats here and and I wasn't going to wait and I, I just made sure I wasn't wasn't going to waste them and you know, I was going to let it loose and not 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 uh, think too much and just do what I knew I needed to do to succeed and and, and play the game and have fun. So, um, had a good month that first month and with the Pirates in July and was Player of the Month and that kind of solidified it and me as you know going to be in the lineup for for a little bit. So on July seventeenth in '09, in a game against San Francisco, you first hit a home run off in the first inning off Tim Lincecum. A, a well-known, soon-to-be Hall of Fame pitcher, because I think he will be. And then you end it later with your second home run in the 14th inning off Bob Howery, who was another good pitcher. Take us through that whole experience, getting the home run in the first inning and then ending the game in the 14th inning. <laughs> what yeah, was that, was that a, like? That was a lot of fun. Um, had some family in town for that game too, so that made it pretty cool to see them after that game. And yeah, it was it was a long game, and yeah, I got the home run first at bat, and then I really didn't do much after that. And then coming in the 14th inning, you know, I just had the mindset of I'm going to go up there and, and and try to end this thing with one swing, and you know, I was just focused and, and locked in and looking at one spot. Um, I knew I had a good changeup, and I think that's what I ended up hitting out, but. Um, you know, he painted a first one on me. I think he threw one down, and then that one it just hung enough, and you know, stayed through it, and was able to drive it out uh, right center. So um, it's it's fun, man. Walk off home runs are fun um, for the team, and celebrating with the team after the game. And uh, you know, it was a to, to have two in one game and end it. Um, you know, it's always a, it's a blast. Now here's an amazing stat. I don't know if you knew about this one. I'm reading this. You became the first to hit seven home runs in your first 12 games with the Pirates since a guy named Dino Lastelli did it in the 1949 season. Did you, did, were you well aware of that stat, or did you not even know about that stat? I, was not, I did not know about it. I, th- I think I remember somebody telling me um, 
you know, when I had six or seven, they said like, oh, you know, it hasn't been done since then. But yeah, man, I was just on a, on a mission to just keep hitting, just keep hitting and staying in the lineup. You know, I mean, that was my total focus. And I'm like, you know, if I hit home runs and, and driving runs and, and just play my play good defense, I'm going to stay in that lineup. And, uh, you know, luckily the Pirates gave me that, that opportunity. And, um, you know, I was a cheap player, you know, just, the, you know, I was in AAA the year before. And so I was league minimum. And, um, you know, so to put up some numbers and, and not be making a lot of money um, or charging a lot of money, I guess you would say, uh, the Pirates, you know, are definitely loving that. And, and um I know they like to keep the budget down. So I think uh, that kept me in the lineup and it kept me, uh, you know, going. And I, they, they believed in me. You know, they believed in what I can do up there. So that, um, you know, I never had a doubt in that. So it was, it was, it was a you know special team to be with. And I enjoyed my time there tremendously. Great fans as well. Now, did you like, did you like the right field porch hitting into the Allegheny River? Yeah, yeah, that was um, PNC Park is beautiful, beautiful skyline. Um, fans, I mean, it, the whole ballpark you just feel when you pull up. It's it's a gorgeous setting, and um, yeah, that short portion right is you know it's a high wall, but you know you get it pretty good. You could get it out on a bounce in the river, and um, yeah, I did have one in the river on a fly, and that was a uh, you know it was kind of a. Uh, I think a perfect storm had a little wind breeze blowing out to right field and hit it right down the line and had a good pitch and, and, and swung hard and uh, hit it on the sweet spot. So, um, you know, he had a pretty, he hit it pretty good to get it out of there. And I know Josh Bell made it look easy a, a couple years ago, um, getting it in the river. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, uh, was able to get one though. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cause believe it or not, I'm reading this now. You, you were the, the first pirate to do so. You were the first one to hit it in the Allegheny River. Like, wow. And that stadium was open a while. And you were the first one to ever do it as a pirate? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, you needed to get it in the right spot. Otherwise, you know, it would hit off that sidewalk. Um, or you had to hit about 500 feet. So, um, but yeah, I got it right down the line. And got a good backspin, good wind, good day. And, you know, good pitch. It was Broxton threw me a cutter down and in. I just, you know, like I said, took a crazy hard swing at it. And, um, you know, it was able to kind of, it's, it's special to be, you know, remembered as, as the first guy to do it. I know Pedro Alvarez did it uh, pretty soon after that. Yep. And I know Josh Bell, I think he did it twice in one year. So, yeah. um, very strong kid. And so, I mean, um, but to be the first one, you know, it's special. I still have that ball as well. Oh, you got it retrieved? Yeah. They they actually retrieved it for you? What's that? They retrieved it for you, huh? They got it, yeah. And somebody, I think the the Allegheny Coast Guard team right there just grabbed it. (laughs) And they brought it in and uh, nice and soggy and, you know, had that Allegheny scent on it. So, but it's in the the uh, ball case, you know, with the other balls, so. There you go. Hey, hey, hey. At least the fan didn't get it, because if it was a fan, they they probably they probably would have came and wanted money from you just to get it. Right, <laughs> so you're yeah, lucky it was yeah, the Coast Guard. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're very nice. Yeah, Coast Guard. They brought it in. Uh, I think I got. I think I gave a bat or something. Hopefully, <laughs> I gave, hopefully I gave them something. <laughs> uh, so November of 2013, you were designated for assignment to make room for Jeff Decker. Did you know? that unfortunately your time with Pittsburgh had end. Who told you that it was over in Pittsburgh? Yeah, you know, I was due to make, um, 
you know, my salary was going up and I know my playing time that year was down. I think they brought in, oh, were they bringing Morneau, you know, when we we're trying to do the playoff run, um, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, my playing time went down and just my money situation was, was going to be more expensive and, and just all those things combined. I was like, I don't, you know, I'd like to stay here in Pittsburgh and, you know, I, I love it here and I want to keep playing, but um, just kind of knew that things were falling into peace that I might be going somewhere else. So got the call from Neil Huntington and, you know, a very respectful call and, um, you know, and, and it kind of just the nature of the business, you know, type deal. And I knew I was, you know, still a good player and had a lot of years left in me. And um, luckily had some calls right after that with some teams, you know, I was close to signing with the Giants. I was close to signing with the Giants and Orioles and, I uh, ended up being the Marlins, you know, I came with a two-year guaranteed deal and, um, you know, it was a deal I couldn't turn down. Now, your time with the Pirates, you had a who's who of players. You had you had Burnett, you had McCutcheon, you had Bay. Um, what was it like with playing with Hall of Famers, going to be Hall of Famers, and looking at your stats, you could be, maybe, one day, hopefully, okay. maybe, you could be. Yeah. But what's it like playing with Hall of Famers? And did they give you any advice? Has a like has I want I don't, I'm not going to say you were a rookie, but you kind of were for the major leagues. So did they give you any helpful advice when you were playing with the Pirates? Um. Yeah, I mean a little a, a little bit for sure. Um, you know, I would always ask questions. Especially uh, when I was a younger guy, and and you know I I like to watch guys that have had a lot of success in the in the big leagues and guys that have played the game and um, guys like AJ Burnett and how they take care of their business and how they're focused when they're out there and how they have a you know I think play with a lot of great players and a lot of Hall of Famers on all the teams have been on Torrey Hunter you know play with yep. A Rod and. Yep on the Yankees and, you know, Brett Gardner, Brian McCann, all these guys that were great. But one thing that they, they're all obviously a little different, different players and did different things, but they all had, a, they all stuck to a routine and they were all mentally strong um, and consistent in the games. And that was something that uh, the mental side of the game was something I needed to work on to help me stay consistent. Um, physically, I feel like I could compete with anybody. It's just the mental side as far as dealing with failures, the, the day-to-day grind, the pressures and all that stuff. Um, it helped to be on, on teams with like an A.J. Burnett and, and um, you know, Alex Rodriguez and how, you know, these guys got a ton of pressure on them, but they, they go perform, do their job, and it, they don't let it bother them. So that, it helped, and I got to ask them questions and how they handled their, you know, th- you know, and how they're able to block things out and how they almost trick their mind sometimes to not um feel that pressure you know and not create that pressure um in their head so it, it was an amazing experience and i think it you know helped me in my game um uh for sure and it helped just you know in day-to-day life now you said you were on teams that were somewhat in the playoff chase when that when that came about with the pirates and you guys were going for the playoffs How'd you guys handle the games? Did you guys take um uh were you guys nervous? Did you guys uh 
act like they were just other games. How were you guys preparing to try and make a playoff push? Were you scoreboard watching? What were you guys doing? Yeah, I mean, it was it was intense. Uh, Pittsburgh, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, the stadium, the stadium was getting packed. Um, you know, it's, it was 20 plus years before uh, since the Pirates were in the playoffs last time. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can imagine the hunger the the fans were having for a winner and and they were coming out man and the streets were getting filled and we were seeing people on the streets always and uh, on the radio i mean you could feel just the energy in the city just ramping up and it was a special time and uh you know there with all that said and then the reporters all of a sudden you know instead of three four reporters in the clubhouse now you're seeing you know 10 15 and you know and you're seeing espn in there and some other bigger names and so you're starting to get out there so i mean with all that being said i mean pressure can creep in to to win and to want to win and um so we would have talks and and clint hurdle was great at 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 team meetings at just keeping us keeping us focused keeping us in the game playing the game having fun and enjoying the ride you know because it is only going to last a brief moment and uh so he did a great job at that and and so did our teammates and and we played hard and we played well and um you know i wish we we could have kept that team together a few more years that we had um but at that that time some of the pieces were being traded away and um Right after, you know, I think it was, uh, I think after 14, you know, 15, they started training guys, a lot of the, the core that I came up with that kind of got us to the playoffs again. So, um, you know, it was a great group of guys and, and but we just, uh, we were, we had some good leaders on the team also as well to, to keep us going. Now, after you were released by the uh, Pirates, you signed a two-year contract with the Marlins, uh, how would you how would you sim, uh, sum up your time with the Marlins that you spent the two years there with them? Yeah, my, you know the players were awesome in Miami. I loved the team, loved the group we had. Um, Miami was a tough park to play, and it was a huge park. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do in Miami, so I think a lot of fans would be outside at the beach. Um, so there weren't always a ton of fans there, but, you know, we got to play with guys. Jose Fernandez, you know, was an amazing guy, an amazing talent. Um, Stanton, you know, played with him and, and uh, uh, Yelich, you know, Yelich was just coming up. Coming and you up, could see yeah. the talent he had as a hitter, his hitting ability. So, um, and it was like uh, veterans were me, you know, Reed Johnson, Saltamakia, Casey McGee, um, and, and uh, 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 Jeff Matt uh, was it Matt? Uh, yeah, Jeff Mathis. Jeff, uh, yeah, you're right, Jeff Mathis. Jeff Mathis. Yeah. yeah, that's right, Jeff. He was a great guy. So we had a good. Oh, and uh, Real Muto was on the team as well. Oh yeah, the young young one. Yeah, called up. Yeah, Just and newly called Hernandez. Up. We got him. I mean, we're some guys that ended up going other places and doing a great job, or a really good job, and. Um, you know, so we had a good team. So it was, it was good to be with some of those guys at a young age and be able to pour into them and be with them. And um, you know, but play, playing baseball, man, it's 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 different. You know, it's definitely different than some other cities. And uh, but it was it was it was an enjoyable time. And then I ended up getting traded that off season uh, to the Yankees. So yeah, now take us through that trade. Yeah, this was a big trade at the time in the off season. You were traded to the Yankees for. Uh, Martin Prado and David Phelps, along with Nathan Eovaldi. 
who's still killing it to this day, and Domingo Human, who is still also killing it to this day. Take us through that trade. Who told you about the trade? And what did you think about it? Because this was your first time, to my knowledge, being traded. Yeah, I was uh, actually working out. Um, my agent called me. I was working out with Pedro Alvarez at Vanderbilt. Um, and my agent called me. He's like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, I think, you know, there's a good chance you're going to be traded. And I don't know who yet. Um, and then uh, I think he, you know, he could tell me a couple teams. But then I, he's like, hey, Yankee, you, might, you might be going to the Yankees. Um and I was like, oh, okay, sweet. So I got a call, then he calls me back 10 minutes later, hey, you were trading the Yankees. And I was like, oh, okay. And, uh, you know, it happened that quick. And uh, I, then I got a call, about a minute later, I got a call from um, Cashman. And uh, then I got a call from Girardi pretty quickly after that. And um, and uh, and then I called, you know, called my wife and told her, hey, we're a Yankee. And she, she was excited because she was a huge Yankees fan growing up. And there you go. Her, her um uh was it uh, her cousin or uncle what is it cousin i think cousin um ron coomer is her cousin and he played you know for the yankees and he was a good player so um you know she was just excited to, to be a yankee and to be you know having that experience so it was it was pretty uh exciting you know you just you, you always think wow, the yankees, you know the yankees have so much um just panage around them and and, and you know, just, just awesomeness. So, um, you know, I was excited for real going to that spring training. Now, unfortunately, you obviously didn't last wrong, unfortunately, because later that year you got designated for assignment and released by them. Uh, what, what what was your experience playing for the Yankees that what you did, what you were able to, and how much did you learn from – like you said, you had A-Rod, you had Gardner, you had McCann, you had all those all those Hall of Famers. I mean, what was it like? I mean, the playing for the Empire, the most hated team in baseball. What was it like playing for them? Um, it was it was awesome. I mean, it was the the guys, you know, were were great. Uh, my locker was right next to Gardner and Teixeira. Um, so I got to talk with them a ton and unfortunately I didn't get a chance to play a lot to share. You know, I was traded there cause to share had some injuries. He was coming back from an eight ride was coming back from a suspension. Right. So, you know, I was anticipating getting some good playing time, but those guys went off and stayed healthy. And so I kind of got stuck on the bench, but you know, being on the bench was able to talk to a lot of those guys in the clubhouse and spent a lot of time with Alex Rodriguez just watching him and his routine and he was DHing a lot so I was watching him hit and and you know he was just study his swing he'd, he'd have it at bat and study his swing and and you know he'd ask me questions I'd you know and I'd ask him quite it was just really like wow like the experience was just surreal because you know he was still you know here's Alex Rodriguez you know six you know 600 home runs plus and he's still like, man, studying, trying to get better, trying to just tweak his swing, trying to, you know, bounce information off another guy, um, another player. And I really appreciate that. And I learned a lot from him and how he just approaches the game. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great clubhouse. I really, really enjoyed my time. Unfortunately, yeah, it came short. Um, but um, it was a very enjoyable time um, there. Love, love, love Girardi and the coaching staff was was awesome as well what about the fan base did you enjoy that 
because I know a lot. Yeah, I mean, the fans, the fans are intense. I love it. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, unfortunately, I didn't get a ton of playing time. Um, I got on a little home run streak, so that, you know, I think I got uh, – I was able to take Joe Bimel, who's back in the game, which I hope he gets back yeah, to the big league Playing soon. for my Padres. Uh, yeah, he's the Padres looking great. And uh, I really hope he gets to the biggest. But I ended up hitting a game-winning home run off him in Seattle. Um, you know, I was learning to pinch hit coming off the bench because I never did that in my career. So, but um, so I ended up hitting some home runs, and you know, so when you're doing well, man, the, the New York fans love you. So I was I wanted to make sure I, I did well. But uh, no, it was, New York was great. I mean, we had a great experience. Fans were great to us, and you know, kind of complain about that. Facilities were awesome, and uh, we had, we enjoyed our time for sure. Now, after your time with the Yankees, did you? Did you know that your time in the majors was up and that, or were you getting other calls from other teams? Well, you know, after that year, it was, you know, I, I remember the last, I could go to AAA for a month um, or, you know, or just wait and see if a team would call. And I ended up, you know, just saying, well, let's just see if it, I, at that point in time, mentally, I, I was like, oh, I don't know if I spent nine and a half years in the minor leagues. I was just like, I don't know if I could go back. You know, I have my son and I just was like, man, I don't know if I could go back and, and, and play and I'll mentally be there. So, so we ended up going home and just waiting in the phone, never really rang. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, they had all the September call-ups and all that. So, you know, we didn't know what to expect going into the off season. We're, you know, is a team going to call? Am I going to have to just go try out for a team? And and pretty quickly, though, um, you know, before the season was even over, or yeah, right after the season over was over, yeah, it was right after the season ended. Japan uh, was calling my agent and wanting to meet and wanting to, um, you know, do a deal. I guess they had their eyes on me for a while and uh, um, was able to sign a two year deal there. Um, which was a great deal. And uh, so we were end up, well, we're going to Japan. You know, we're going to go play in Japan. So um, financially, it was, it was a, it was a, it made sense at the time with no other opportunities, not knowing right. what was going to happen. And, but, you know, I think just the whole opportunity of experiencing different culture and, and knowing how baseball is loved in Japan, it, it made sense at the time. Now, how was the game? like over there is it kind of different or is it the same aspect as over here what what rules are different over there than they are over here i think uh well rule wise um you know i think the games if they don't i think it's either the 14th or 15th inning if we don't have a winner it's considered a tie um so that that happens um but other than that uh rule wise i mean it's very similar um you know, I think the game fundamentally is played better over there. I think just fundamentally, catchers are unbelievable. You don't see a lot of pass balls. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the infielders are phenomenal. A small ball game is a little more in play there. It, it's just, it's a it seems like the game is a little quicker. Um, there's less power guys there. But nonetheless, the game is played, you know, the way the game's supposed to be played, getting runners over. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of buns, a lot of a lot of the great at bats, falling tough pitches off, long at bats, um, just and just a fast paced game. Um, and you know, fans are cheering the whole game. They cheer, they cheer. Each player has their own cheer, uh, like song when they come up to bat. And 
So, I mean, it's loud the whole game, and it's it's a great experience. I love, we love Japan, my whole family. We love living there. It's a very safe, clean city, and um, great food, and great people, and we we always talk about how we want to go back and our experiences we had there. What do you remember most about playing there, and do you have a career moment that you had in your short tenure over there in Japan? Yeah, um... I think I think my teammates. I had a great teammates, even though there was a language barrier. We had a translator. I had a translator follow me around um, with me everywhere on the field, and uh, but my teammates were awesome. Um, but I did have, uh, yeah, my first year. I ended up there. If you know, you have a three, four games as a foreigner, you struggle. They're going to send you down to minor leagues to to get right. So. I went down for a little bit my first year and came back up. And then against the Yokohama Bay Stars, I had three homers in one game um, and uh, drove, what was it, seven, eight, I think I drove in eight runs or nine runs. And uh, so, yeah, that was probably my, my uh, big game there. Hit, hit, some, hit some long balls. Now, let's talk about a little bit of today's game. Now, this just recently happened. I hope they make it annually, the Field of Dreams. What, uh, you as a player, former player, wouldn't you have loved to play on that field that they played on? That was amazing what they made that field into. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was so cool. I mean, I grew up watching that movie and to go play there too and have the corn as, you know, in the back. I mean, they they did a beautiful job. And then the game itself kind of just was awesome. I mean, it was just magical. It was just yeah. awesome, it was, you know, to have a walk-off home run. I mean, the Yankees came back and the battle, home runs, and I mean, the game. Yeah, the, the the game played out perfectly in that scenario in that field, and um, yeah, I mean, it was it was fun to watch. It was really fun to watch, and I think that's going to be the staple now that they'll do that once, you know, once a year. They should maybe do it twice a year, but um, yeah, that was really cool. That's that's another thing Japan does too is once a month. I mean, they don't have a field of dreams field, but once a month we will go like, like to the outskirts of Japan, like small towns. Mm-hmm. And we play in a, at a baseball stadium for the fans that don't get to see or go, come to uh, Tokyo or, or, or see a team play, um, which I thought was pretty cool, which I thought like, you know, that'd be cool to kind of do that in the major leagues, maybe once a month go somewhere in the middle of nowhere that, you know, have a baseball field set it up and here's a big league game you know and i thought that was pretty cool to kind of expose you know get some exposure out there and have the fans see the guys alive and um those games i remember seeing the the fans they just were real excited and and happy that we were out there yeah it was an awesome atmosphere because they had kevin costner throw out the first pitch literally right next really right next door was the movie site and you show you see them do the overhand over shots of the all the cornfields was like wow you guys actually turned that into a baseball field like, right jeez just i was yeah, like was wow cool. i know that was a cool experience that i'm sure though those guys will never forget that no no and i'm sure if you were on that team you you wouldn't have either you would remember for the rest of your life i'm sure they oh would yeah too. yeah so cool yeah i mean it's just i got to play in cooperstown um I don't even know if I was with the was it the Yankees or was that the Pirates? Um, but we played in Cooperstown on that field. It was freezing cold that day. I remember, um, but even that was pretty special. Um, but I, I don't think it compares to that field of dreams. I mean, that's that's just so nostalgic and, and cool and uh, something that you know, 
like I said, I really hope they continue to do that stuff. Now, do you think it's stuff like this they had to do to get the game back into consideration with M- uh, NFL, NBA, and NHL because they were losing a lot of viewers because of the way the game is so boring nowadays. I, 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 I'm a, still a fan no matter what. I, I do think it's boring now, yes, because of, you know, the, as we talked about earlier, the hit, um, the walks, strikeouts, and home runs. But I still watch it. But do you think why they did this is to help grow grow the game back into to compete with the other sports? Um, that's, that's a good that's a good theory. I mean, that's possible. Um, I think it. Yeah, I think it's just good to just raise that excitement level again and that passion. I mean, baseball has always been America's pastime, and yeah, the game is. You know, the game is boring. Like I don't like watching sitting watching baseball all the time. Like uh, you know, it's just it, it's hard to watch. I love playing it every day, but it, it is hard to watch exactly. at times. And exactly. So I mean, I think the dog days of summer are set in for the fans as well. It's just long hot days, and um, to have some kind of interrupt that like a feel the dreams game or or just you know something like that you know whether it's going to small towns and 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 having a small you know just like a, like another sandlot type field and you got the yankees in boston playing and you know in, yeah. in the middle of nowhere and uh you know i think that's cool and i think that just kind of throws a wrench in just the, the static long i mean it's a long season to begin with so it just it, 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 you need to do that in baseball, I think, because the season's so long to just just kind of keep it exciting and, and keep things moving and switching up and and doing those types. Of things. I I still say they need to uh, they need to make uh, you know guys are hitting home runs left and right, but have it where the distance has some value. So if you hit it over 450 feet, you know, it should be worth an extra run. So, you know, (laughs) I feel like that distance should matter, you know, because the guy could hit a wall scraper to a 480 foot home run. I mean, that's got to have some more value than than the shorter homer, but we'll see if that ever pans out. Now, last year they implemented the extra inning rule where the runner's on second. Uh, Do you like that? And do you think the game should stick with that rule? from here on out if they go to extras? Um, I mean, I def- definitely think it could end the game quicker. Um, I don't know if it definitely adds any excitement or any, you know, any any sort of value doing that. Yes, it, it'll end the game quicker. You don't have as many innings, but, you know, um, you know, I, it's it is. I think it, it that's it does what it's supposed to do, and that's hopefully end the game quicker than than having a 16, 17, 18 inning game. And you know, we lost a game with the Pirates. I think it was was it seventeen or nineteen innings. And there's a play at home. You know, I came out of the game like in the eighth or ninth, and then mm-hmm. the game just kept going. And we had a play at home, and with Mike McHenry, and runner was coming home, throw home, and McHenry tagged him clearly on the leg and the umpire called him safe and walked off and we lost the game mm-hmm. and it was just couldn't do anything about it you know it was the word Clint comes out yelling like what are you doing but we ended up losing the game and we shouldn't have you know on that play so you know there's some things I think MLB can do and uh, you know I think they're always talking and trying to figure out what what makes sense one doesn't and um, you know it's sometimes trial and error so 
let's talk about your team that you spent the time with the longest, the Pirates. What do you think they need to do? Because I know it's been up and down since they made the playoffs. They've been off and on trading. They haven't been good. What do you think they need to do to make the level of your guys' teams and close to the playoff picture again? Well, you know, they have a lot of talent. Um, They get high draft picks, you know, that they're developing. Then they're coming up. I mean, I know they have a lot of guys coming up through the system. They have a young team right now in the major league level. Um, So I think it's just developing a lot of those guys and and having a right core um, base that they stick with. And, uh, and, And keeping a team together, I think, is very important, you know, over an extended period of time um, just to build that team camaraderie in the clubhouse and to have each other's back. Um, that's very important. And, um, you know, I've been on teams that it, it wasn't as great and, you know, it, it just seemed tougher to win. And for whatever reason, um, you know, it, it just was. And so a team camaraderie is very important. And I think you need to develop that as, as guys come up through the system and stay together at the major league level and figure things out. And, um, but the parents aren't short of talent by any means. And I know uh, they got some really good, they got a really good high A team. The whole team is a bunch of studs, um, some good arms coming up. So, you know, it, it's whether when that those guys get to the major leagues, they can, kind of do what Andrew McCutcheon, Neil Walker, you know, Sterling Marte, all those guys did and, and kind of figure it out pretty quickly mm-hmm. and, and, and turn that into a winning recipe. So, you know, the Pirates don't, they don't spend a lot of money and that's is what it is. So you have to work with what you got. And, and a lot of it is young guys that, you know, are hungry, but um, you know, obviously everyone develops a little differently and timing wise, but um, they try to, do that recipe and get those guys up there and, and try to have a winning product before they get too good and too expensive. Then they right. they ship them out to get younger talent again. So it's kind of that right. cycle of if you don't show you can win quickly, um, you're going to be shipped out. So um, it is what it is, and it's 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 tough to work with. I think for the coaches, you know, sometimes general manager, but that's that's the way it goes, and um, you gotta you gotta make the most of it. Now, uh, since you are still a fan like I am of the game. Who do you see? I mean, I know it's early. Who do you see in the World Series, and who do you see winning it? <laughs> oh man, I, I to be honest with you, um, I haven't watched a whole lot of baseball this year just because uh, um, we we were moving and um, we had our baby daughter. So you know, I was catching up on sleep a lot of times and not staying up watching baseball. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I know the Phillies are coming on strong. Hopefully, you know. Oh, man, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, honestly, I, I don't even think I could say a team with with any kind of educated guess. <laughs> so, but, no, uh, no you know. There. No problem there. Uh, we'll see what, the Yankee, yeah, see what the Yankees can do. I know White, White Sox look good, too, so. Oh, yeah, they're killing it this year. Yeah, yeah. And there's another team, like, their talent, you know, a lot of their young talent is, is developed and um I was a big White Sox fan growing up, coming from the south side of Chicago. So, um, yeah, it uh, it'll be cool to see them win again. Now, last question before I let you go. Yeah. One word that summarizes your MLB career and your time in Japan. What would that one word be, and why would it? Why would you say it's that word? 
One word. Um, man. I think, uh, I think just content. I think I'm very content with the career I had. Well, thankful. Actually, that's two words. <laughs> I'd probably say thankful more than content. Uh, just thankful. You know, I got the opportunity to play. Got a second chance at the major league level, which a lot of guys just don't. Um, fell in a good situation and uh, was able to, ha- you know, turn into a, a pretty good major league career. And thankful, you know, I was able to play in Japan and have that experience as well. So I think just thankful would be the the word that would sum up everything, the whole experience, the whole career. And, um, you know, met my wife at the batting cages and, you know, my son and got to experience Japan. So just thank- thankful for all those things. Perfect. Couldn't have said it any better. Uh, I appreciate your time. It was fun. It was amazing. You're more than welcome to come on as many times as you want. I've got your contact info. I'll text you here and there. It was a pleasure. It was fun. Tell the wife and kids I said hello. Enjoy more Blippy. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're making more every that, day, yeah. it seems like. <laughs> right. But can't get enough of Blippy, right? Exactly. Every day. Yeah. Every day grind now. Instead of baseball every day, now it's Blippy and Bob the Train. And yep. that's the grind I'm on now. So, <laughs> yep. I feel you there as a parent. So, right. but yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Um, I'll text you and I'll text you if you want a copy of the episode. I'll send it to you. And hey, yeah, you're more than welcome to come on as many times as you want. Thanks, Byron. I appreciate the time, man, and pretty loved always talking about baseball and you know, many blessings to you and your family as well. So Definitely. yeah, we'll stay Same in touch and look forward to the next time. Definitely. You at until then you stay safe. I'll text you as soon as we get off. Yeah, but stay safe. It's this corona thing is still out there, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Hopefully we'll we'll get through it. Yeah, we'll get through it. So we will. We will. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Definitely. Take care. Have a good Have one. Have a good day. You too, you as well. And stay Thanks, safe man. moving too, because I, I know you're moving, so. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Take Thank care. You. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Garrett Jones, everybody. What a tremendous chat. I hope to have him on again as many times as he wants. It was awesome. So this concludes episode number 42. And... Be seeing you tomorrow night when we have on former pitcher Ray King. Until then, stay safe. Have a good day.